So on this day that we honor uh, mothers, it's good for us to think about how much you really do. Uh, being a mother is not a walk in the park. It's, it, there's a lot of work. Uh, you know, someone has found out that by the time a child reaches 18, a mother has had to handle some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. In fact, women who never have children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in leisure time. <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson has said, men are what their mothers make them. And an old Spanish proverb says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. And that's very true. And there are some great portraits of motherhood in scripture as well. There's the, the picture of the mother of, of Moses who cared so much for her son that she broke the law in order to teach him uh, the faith of his people. Uh, we see the sacrificial love of the mother who appeared before King Solomon, who told him that she was willing to have her son taken away by another woman rather than see any harm come to him. Or the mother of James and John, who loved her boys so much that she wanted them to sit by the Lord's side in the heavenly kingdom. And the mother of King Lemuel, who gave some advice to her son about godly living and how to pick a good wife, which is found in Proverbs 31. Now I'm aware that Mother's Day is also to a difficult time for some of you. Maybe you want to be a mother, but you can't be for some reason. Maybe, maybe that truck will be so loud you can't even hear me. Maybe, get a muffler. Maybe some of you have not had the best mother in the world. Uh, some of you possibly have had a, a mother who has died. Some of uh, you mothers have lost a child to death as well. Some of you mothers feel the pain of a wayward child this morning, and maybe also too some of you are flying solo as you work hard to nurture your child's faith. This morning, I want us to realize that a mother can make a significant spiritual impact on her children with or without the help of a father, although the plan is for mom and dad to be there and to have that work together like that. But let me tell you a little story about a grandmother, a mother, and a boy. I'd like to introduce you to a young woman named Eunice. She was raised in a religious home and was greatly impacted by her mother, Lois. She loved to learn the stories from the Bible when she was young and enjoyed going to services where she could learn about God. As she approached her teenage years, she was still focused on spiritual matters, but she became attracted to a young man who was not into religion at all. Against the best wishes of her godly mother, the teaching of her faith, and the tug of her conscience, she married the man. Now, he was a nice guy, but thought spiritual matters were for weak people. After a couple of years of marriage, Eunice and, and uh, her husband had a, boy, a baby boy who they named Timothy. In the meantime, Eunice's dad had died, so they asked her mother, Lois, to come and live with them. Little Timothy was a delight to everyone. Both the mother and grandmother spent hours with him, teaching him the stories of the Old Testament, praying with him and for him, and training him in the things of God. And while they didn't have any VeggieTales videos or kids' clubs nearby, they created a spiritual environment where Timothy could flourish. Then one day, a preacher named Paul came to their little town of Lystra and spoke about a man named Jesus. Both Lois and Eunice 
He listened intently. They saw in Jesus the fulfillment of all the promises in the Old Testament and placed their trust in him and were converted. These new believers in turn focused on teaching Timothy all about who Jesus was. We know from reading the book of Acts that Paul actually himself took a personal interest in Timothy, the teenager, and partnering with his mother and grandmother led him to saving faith. Now later, Paul and Timothy partner together in ministry as the gospel continues to spread throughout the area. Many years later, while Paul is in prison awaiting his execution, he writes two letters to to young Timothy. And these letters contain some teaching about how Timothy could uh, behave as a church leader and are also filled with some reminiscing and nostalgia that Paul has on his part. As Paul writes these letters uh, that we know as 1 and 2 Timothy, he reflects on the mothers who made an impact in Timothy's life. Now, with that as the background of all this, I'm going to take at least three different passages of Scripture. Two of them are found in Paul's second letter to Timothy. And to show how a mother and a grandmother can make a significant spiritual impact on her children with or without, without the help of the father. So the first way a mother can do this is by instilling within her children a respect for Scripture. A respect for Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul reminds Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now there, in verse 14, Paul urges Timothy to hang tough when the tough times come. First Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And Timothy not only learned these, uh, these things cognitively in his, in his head, he made a practice of owning what he studied by becoming convinced of its truthfulness, sinking into his heart. He didn't just fill his head with truth, but internalized it and then lived it out. And Timothy probably did this because he saw it modeled in his mother and in his grandmother, and also to Paul himself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 shows us what this truth was. He says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In the manner of, of, of devout Israelites, grandmother and, Lois mother, uh, grandmother Lois and mother Eunice taught the holy scriptures to Timothy from the very beginning. The word infancy in some passages refers to a newborn baby or a toddler. And Lois and Eunice teamed up to provide high-powered Bible study fellowship classes to, to young Timothy, even before he could crawl. And they, they, they read to him. They talked about Samson and Samuel and David and Ruth, Abraham, Noah, all those people. They did everything they could to provide Timothy with the opportunity to learn all he could about the Bible. In essence, they lived out the commands of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down, when you get up. All of that, these these women were teaching Timothy. Those two mothers had God's word in their hearts because they had internalized the truth 
into their own lives. They could impress it then upon young Timothy by talking about it throughout the day, showing him how the the scriptures would impact every area of his life. So mothers, it's never too early to start teaching the Bible to your children, and it's never too late to start if you haven't already. There's nothing that, that can replace your role in your child's life. God wants to use you to instill within your children respect for the Bible. Four scholars uh, were arguing over Bible translations. One said he preferred the King James Version because of its beauty and eloquent Old English. Another said he liked the New American Standard Version for its literalism and how it moves the reader from passage to passage with confident feelings of accuracy from the original text. The third scholar was sold on the New Living Translation for its use of contemporary phrases and idioms that capture the meaning of difficult ideas. After being quiet for a moment, the fourth scholar admitted, I have personally preferred my mother's translation. (laughs) When the other scholars started laughing, he said, yes, she translated the scriptures. My mom translated each page of the Bible into her life. It is the most convincing translation I have ever read. Mothers, what kind of Bible is your child reading when he or she observes your life? And, you know, children can be your adult children as well. What kind of Bible are they reading? Are you looking for ways to instill respect for the Word of God into the lives of your children? Remember, you can make a significant spiritual impact on your children with or without the help of a father. The second way to make an impact in the lives of your children is by instilling within them an authentic faith. An authentic faith. We see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 5. It says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So even though Lois and, and Eunice were believers, Timothy needed to come to a point in which he put his faith in Christ. Faith isn't hereditary. It isn't passed on. It is learned. And at the same time, when mothers model genuine faith, an environment is set up where children can, will be motivated to want that same kind of faith as well. The word sincere related to faith means that it was unhypocritical. Unhypocritical. It was real, without any pretense or false facade. Faith had come and taken up residence in his mother's heart, and also in his grandmother's heart, and was now alive in his own life as well. These two mothers were completely sold out to Christ. They were drop-dead serious about their faith. They were really devoted, fully devoted, completely committed. And Timothy knew it. No one knows better than a child whether a parent's faith is genuine or not. And notice the chain here. It goes Lois to Eunice to Timothy. And again, we, we, we don't read of a grandfather or a father anywhere in this equation. It's not to say that a father is not important. He is. He is very important. What I'm saying here is a mother can make a significant spiritual impact on her children with or without the help of a father. And moms, if you want to instill an authentic faith in your children, then you better take your own faith seriously. If you're just going through the motions spiritually, your kids will eventually see it. And tragically, 
They may do the same thing when they are older. As you demonstrate your faith consistently by reading the Bible and praying, attending uh, service in person or online, bringing your kids to programs that help them grow spiritually once we can have those programs here. We have Stephanie online with the Wednesday night kids as well, though. And by participating in the life and in the mission of our church, you will send a strong message to your children. God is important. Jesus means everything. As I think about the kind of faith that was passed from a mother to a a mother to a son, I'm convinced that a mother like this has to be more interested in having her children know the Bible than be able to speak another language before they are five years old. (laughs) A mother like this is also more interested in her children's souls than in their bodies or in their clothes. A mother like this is more interested in her children's eternal life than their success in this life. A mother's also more interested in her children's relationship with Jesus than their popularity in the world. A mother like this is more interested in her children's standing before God than their social status. And a mother like this is more interested in her children's spirituality than their intellectual, musical, or athletic accomplishments. Jesus needs to be the priority for them. While it isn't in the text, a mother who passes along a faith that is authentic is without a doubt a praying woman. Any home in which faith is passed on from one generation to another has to be a home of prayer. You just can't imagine Lois not praying for Eunice (laughs) or Eunice not praying for Timothy. We read in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, that the mother of John Mark opened her home for a prayer meeting while Peter was imprisoned. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, Mary, the mother of Jesus, joined together constantly in prayer with the disciples. Prayer is the hallmark of a godly mother and godly grandmother. Timothy's family environment was conducive to his his faith development. Both his mother and his grandmother held their faith deeply and shared it freely. So how conducive is the environment in your family for nurturing of authentic faith in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. Mothers, are you passing along a legacy of authentic faith to your kids? Then the third way to impact your children is to instill within, within them a desire to minister. A desire to minister. After Paul preached in Lystra and Timothy was converted, he returned a short while later. Let's pick up on the story in Acts chapter 16, the first three verses. He says, He came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. (laughs) So there are three qualities here in Timothy that were no doubt passed down from his mother and his grandmother. Let me just give those to you really quick. He was a strong believer. He's a strong believer. He's referred to as a disciple. Now, Luke, the author of Acts, could have referred to him as a believer or just a Christian. But he chose to call him a disciple. The disciple is a learner, a follower. A disciple was one who was serious about Christ, not just one who was going through the motions. As we've already established, his mother modeled this type of authentic, uh, no-holds-barred kind of faith. (laughs) She was very real 
before him about that. A second quality here we see in Timothy is that he had a good reputation. A good reputation. The believers in the area spoke well of him. The people knew him as a man of integrity and as a man of, of, the, of the word, God's word. He was rock solid. And again, this had a lot to do with his mother and his grandmother. And a third quality we see here in Timothy is that he was available. He was available. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. And as you continue to read the book of Acts, you'll see that Timothy was eager to minister. He knew it meant leaving home, and he knew it meant facing hardship. But there's no way this kind of commitment to ministry develops if it hasn't been encouraged at home. When Paul stopped in Lystra for, for this second time, he enlisted Timothy to be his special assistant to replace John Mark. And Paul refers to Timothy as his beloved son in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Also in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he calls him his own son in the faith. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul can't think of anyone like Timothy when he writes, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. But Paul thought very highly of Timothy and couldn't wait to unleash him for ministry. Mothers, part of your job is to instill respect for the Bible. Another responsibility is to instill an authentic faith. But those two elements are only preliminary for the most important job you have, and that is instilling within your children a desire to minister, a desire to do something for the Lord. Our kids are to learn the Bible and grow in their faith so that they can become difference makers in their world. We talked about that last week, about how we can make a difference. Well, as we make a difference as parents and mothers, we can also, too, model that before our kids and our grandchildren and let them see that they can make a difference in the world as well so that they can share their faith with others, so they can minister in the church and in the school, so they can serve those who are hurting, so they can serve as missionaries, so they can identify their spiritual gifts and use them on a regular basis. The truth of the matter is this. We are saved in order to serve. And we are to be disciples so that we can disciple others. We are, are, are equipped We are equipped so that we can evangelize and we are sanctified so that we can be sent to a lost and dying world. Susanna Wesley, mother of 17. You thought Becky Broyles was in a large family. Susanna Wesley, mother of 17, two of which were John and Charles Wesley, of course, spent one hour each day praying for her children. (laughs) Wow, there goes the day, huh? In addition, she took each child aside for a full hour each week to discuss spiritual matters. No wonder her children were used of God to bring blessing to all of England and much of America. Now here are some parenting guidelines she wrote down that helped her as a mother. Maybe these might help. Maybe these might be kind of archaic for you, but I'm sure there's some truth in here somewhere. Subdue self-will in a child and thus work together with God to save his soul. Teach the child to pray as soon as he can speak. I know when we pray with ransom, we have a meal or something like that. Zach and Amanda has already taught him, okay, we're praying, and so he just kind of like this, closes his eyes. Oh, the last time he was smiling with his eyes open last time. (laughs) Give the child nothing he cries for and only what is good for him if he asks for it politely. 
to prevent lying, punish no fault which is freely confessed, but never allow a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. Commend and reward good behavior. And then strictly observe all promises you have made to your child. So mothers, you can make a significant spiritual impact in your family with or without the help of a father. Although, again, the father is very important and that should be there. That's a key thing. But nevertheless, you can still make that significant spiritual impact on your family with or without the help of a father. You can do that by, again, instilling a respect for Scripture, an authentic faith, and instilling a desire for ministry. And for most of you now, these things are modeled by you. You're modeling this. You're kind of in that stage, more of coaching and along the sidelines. For some of you, your new role is, as grandmother has given you an opportunity to instill these qualities in your grandchildren. Whatever the case, there's a responsibility that we have. I'm going to invite Annie and Don. Come on up. They're going to uh, close us uh, in one, one more song here, lead us in a song. As they come on up, I want to share with you a poem that is entitled, My Mother. And I think it can kind of conclude things here for you. Your love, I know, I've seen your, your tears. You've given to me my life. You've walked through hours and days and years of heartache, toil, and strife. To see that I could have the best that you could give to me, you gave up needs and often rest, you viewed eternity. To do his will, my highest call, and by your special care, I stood and walked and did not fall, you held me up in prayer. Though strands of gray may brush your hair and miles divide our way, I know that by your quiet prayer you've helped me day by day. You've shown me how to give, to share, to put my own needs last. You've helped me see and be aware of that life is so soon past. Despite your love, I would not dare, for there's not another who spreads her gentle love and care like you, my loving mother. I trust that the day can be a special day for all of you and a day that will remind you also too of your mom if she has gone on to heaven. Remember those wonderful moments that you had with her and continue to carry on those wonderful moments with your kids. And if you're so blessed, be able to carry them on with your grandchildren as well too if God allows that to happen in your life. But all throughout the time there, I trust that the day can be a day of just special blessings for you to be able to realize that God is near God is close.